Hello everyone, this is Garrett Goolsby on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, and today I'm talking with Dr. Colin Barnes. Dr. Barnes is a psychology professor at Hillsdale College. So tell us a bit about yourself. How, how did you get to Hillsdale? Yeah, sure. So uh, I came to Hillsdale in 2012, so I've been here just about 10 years. Uh, my family moved from Delaware, where we spent a year uh, working. I was working in the private sector, but uh, prior to that, I was at the University of Oklahoma receiving training in social personality psychology. Um, and yeah, I, I, I was working in the private sector, but always wanted to be in academia. Uh, so when I learned of Hillsdale um, from uh, a young woman we were in a congregation with, um, we made it a point to come out and interview and and got the job shortly after, and here I am. Yeah, very good. Well, we're happy to have you today. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your family? Sure, yeah, yeah. I've uh, uh, I've got three daughters, uh, my, my wife, Megan. Uh, we've been married for 15 years. Um, my daughters are Drew, Paige, and Blythe. Drew is the oldest. Paige, uh, she is uh, just about to turn 13. Paige is 11, and Blythe is seven. They're rambunctious and fun, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, make me laugh. Keep me on my toes. I bet. So what sparked your interest in psychology? What was that? Was there an initial moment that captured your attention where the subject captured your attention or is it yeah. kind of built up over the years? Well, uh, it's, hmm. I guess, I guess it's hard to pinpoint. I mean, I, I know that in college, uh, I, I had this, I had this professor, Dr. David Cater, um, I was, I was a little aimless, not, I mean, I knew that I was interested in people. I was interested in helping people, but he was, he was a professor who taught a particular class and, um, counseling strategies. And, uh, he approached me one day after class and he said, you know, I think you ought to major in psychology. And that's the first time I remember anyway, somebody saying directly to me, like, Hey, I think you ought to do this. I think you'd be good at it. And so that stuck. Uh, and so that, I would say that was the, that was kind of the moment when I thought, like, uh, I'm going to make a career of this. But there are lots of things that went into it. Now, as a Christian, has there ever been a time when you felt like psychology seemed to be pushing you towards making conclusions that went against the principles of your faith? Yeah. So that's an interesting question. You know, I mean, I uh, I received my undergraduate in psychology from a small Christian institution. Um, and there, uh, the emphasis was on integrating uh, faith and learning. Uh, so as an undergraduate, I never really felt that challenged in my faith, although I was, I was aware that there were some complications and some difficulties uh, between psychology and faith. Um, and then uh, I was really worried about going off to graduate school because there I thought, surely I'm going to meet the psychologist who's going to take issue with my convictions. But surprisingly, I wound up studying with an advisor who himself was a Christian. Really? That was, that was fairly rare. Yeah. Um, but we worked together for many years and had a tremendous working relationship. Uh, so, <laughs> I guess surprisingly, uh, it wasn't until I arrived at Hillsdale and really started taking seriously the history and the philosophy of my field that I began to sort of see uh, some tensions and difficulties in a more profound way than I had previously. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I I can't say that. I can't say that the problem. I, I guess I'm not entirely sure how how to how to address it succinctly. The, a lot of the early figures in psychology were trying to push away from a conception of the person that relied on the soul, some metaphysical kind of entity. And as a result of that, uh, its its outlook follows a certain course, a natural science course. And when you really take that 
that vantage point seriously. You try to follow its conclusions and its claims mm-hmm. and, and uh, not try to fit them into some sort of Christian framework, but you hear them on their terms. Yeah, that can be a little unsettling, but I think it can also be grounds or terms for strengthening your faith in certain respects too. Yeah. Do you feel like that particular tension has um, lent itself to you having a greater interest in the discipline of psychology or has it made you more wary of of the of the study of it i guess it's it's done a bit of both um wary might be not not quite may not quite be the right word i i guess um i'm more aware of the implications of certain positions and claims that psychology makes how they may seem innocent on the face, but back behind them, you you kind of can detect some of the ways it kind of butts up against faith and, and conviction and so forth. So I'm aware of that much more than I used to, uh, used to be. But uh, so I wouldn't say that I'm I'm wary. I'm just maybe more aware overall and uh, cognizant of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you just briefly go into your faith background before we continue to kind of press on this question about psychology and the soul? Sure. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I was I was raised in I guess I would call it a uh, ethically and morally Christian home though we didn't uh, we didn't attend church very regularly um, and it wasn't until kind of late high school early college that I began to really uh, I guess devote myself to the pursuit of Christian life and uh, I went through I guess several denominations after that I was I've, I've been uh, Methodist, uh, Disciples of Christ, uh, non-denominational evangelical. Uh, that was the college years. And then in graduate school, I, I uh, was in the Presbyterian Church, uh, the PCA. Uh, and I did that. That's where my wife and I met. We were there for about eight years, eight or 10 years. We were part of Reformed University Fellowship. Uh, we moved here to Hillsdale and uh, pretty quickly ran into... <laughs> <laughs> interesting questions uh, about our, our background and our commitments. Sure. It's sort of like the uh, the going assumption was sort of like, why aren't you Catholic? And um, <laughs> well, so. the, the running joke is that the uh, the summation of your Hillsdale education is converting to the Catholicism yeah, if you right. haven't already. Yeah, sure, um, sure. <laughs> so yeah. I, I can I can sympathize with that. There's yeah, there's a lot of push in that direction. I, down in down in Texas, you know, where um, where I spent my high school years to 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 be Presbyterian, to not be Baptist or not even kind of non-denominational was sort of a big deal. Yeah. Um, so when we got up here and we realized we, you know, we hadn't dug deep enough into the tradition of the Christian faith, uh, that was a bit of unsettling. Um, but we were, we were Lutheran for the time. And now, now in fact, we, we are Catholic, but uh, it's been a, uh, been a wild road for sure. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, this is Radio Free Hillsdale on 101.7 FM. And I'm talking to professor of psychology, Dr. Colin Barnes, about how his academic discipline interacts with his faith. Um, it seems to me that psychology, like we've said, is, comes into contact with questions about the soul quite a lot right. um, and that these early psychologists kind of wanted to push back against that. Um, have you ever found it difficult to reconcile the the beliefs that you hold about the soul with the things that you study in psychology? Hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I guess it goes back to to the point I was making earlier. When you, when you take seriously the bodily conditions for consciousness, you try to understand uh, in what way our, our mind, our awareness, our sense of self and identity, our memories and place in the world, how that is tied 
intimately to our physiological makeup, our heredity, uh, the heredity of not just uh, our family, but of the species. This begins to, you, you begin to wonder sort of what's left over to account for or explain. Um, it seems as though everything could be folded into a uh, natural science understanding of the world. Um, and that, uh, that does pose some significant challenges, I think. But I think the deeper issue, I think the more fundamental challenge is trying to grant the significance and weight of our bodily existence and not, not, not give on that, you know, like we really do have bodies. We really do have brains yeah. that, that, that permit and give rise to consciousness. And yet there is this dimension of our experience that seems best encapsulated and, and described in the language of a soul and mm. of uh, human dignity and value and to not yield on either of those, but to hold them uh, with, with utmost uh, respect, right? That creates a sort of condition, I think, for a person that um, is conducive to a form of, of humility and honesty about just how mysterious human existence is. And that's not something that you often hear from psychologists. They don't like to reference mystery. Uh, that that word in science is kind of taboo because the minute you begin to give grounds for that possibility, you kind of give up the ghost of explanation. And that seems to be what science is all about. And if we do that, well, science ceases to be science and yields to a kind of speculative philosophy. I, I just disagree with that outlook. Um, I'm more interested in being true to the phenomenon and the phenomenon of being human, so far as I can tell, is uh, both body, bodily and uh, spiritual. And I can't seem to give up either. And I don't think we should. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spring a question on you that I didn't quite prepare you for, but sure, it's in the yeah. same vein as what we've been talking about. It's more of a, I, I guess, a, a practical application of the, the, the question we've just discussed. How do you get around, you know, when you're under anesthesia, right? Okay. For surgery. Yeah. There's this sense of deadness and nothingness, right? right? You are right. dead to the world. Yeah. Um. How do, how do you get around that fact, reconciling that idea with there still being our, our, our soul is something inside us that is experiencing things? Because it seems as almost as though when the anesthesia enters your body and pauses mm. your physical processes, mm. your experience ceases. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so here's, here's my, here's my uh, shot from the hip. Um, <laughs> I think we give way, we put way too much emphasis on consciousness. I think, I think that, uh, the moment we begin to, we begin to, um, identify, uh, spiritual, uh, experience, soulishness, consciousness, or what have you, awareness with like, you know, me being able to relect, re recollect in, in verbal terms or explicitly some experience. Um, like the moment we begin to emphasize that, uh, to the exclusion of anything else, then, then it looks like something that happens like anesthesia if what happens under anesthesia is just like, we just disappear. And I, I do, I do want to grant that there is, that's real. Um, that, that, that kind of feeling of being lost, or disappearing and reappearing that's, that's real, but it's true that my body was still there. My heart was still pumping. Things were still happening. Of course. There is a kind of continuity that I think that our, our, our body, if we could get out of our skulls and outside of our heads and admit that the rest of our body is a part of this enterprise or activity called experience too, then we would 
I think, realized that while it was an abrupt gap and loss of consciousness and we came back, your body was still present and active in a way. And that, in, in some vague sense, contributes to your experience of the world too. So you weren't gone and came back. Your soul, I think, psychologically understood is more than what happens in the prefrontal cortex. So is there any attempt in modern psychology as the discipline exists today to find find a connection between that um, immaterial mm-hmm. mind and the physical body? I, I know when you know when we look at philosophy, we see you know Descartes tried to postulate you know a particular gland in the brain was right. kind of the the locus of the connection between the the mental and the physical is there the pituitary any, gland yeah, I think yeah. something like that yeah. yeah um is there any attempt to do to sort of continue that line of thinking that Descartes had to to find something in mm-hmm. in today in psychology today or is that completely gone by the wayside so i think it would be my sense is that it's it's largely gone, but I don't want to I don't want to give the impression that there's not there aren't people out there interested in these sorts of problems. Um, if they're out there, uh, and again I, I feel reasonably sure they are, they're likely not in the mainstream or sure. in the limelight. You know, uh, I've mentioned you've heard me mention before the name Ian McGilchrist. Uh, he is a scholar that is certainly interested in the human experience in its totality. Uh, I, I don't think he's in the business of trying to pinpoint some place in the brain where soul and body interact, but I think he's very much concerned with the fullness of human experience and its relation to uh, brain processes. And he take again, uh, like I was saying before, I think he takes both very seriously, um, but he's not willing to to kind of give on either. And so you get a really robust and uh, you know, I don't know if visceral is the right word. You you get a real genuine account of of human experience that doesn't feel overly materialistic, or really even materialistic at all. Um, uh, and you don't get a, a kind of psychology that's just sort of pie in the sky by and by, like your you know your spirit's just out there floating around and could do without a body if it had to. Um, I think he I think he does both. So I do think that there are psychologists out here who are curious about these sorts of problems. They just um, they're not. Uh, they're not in American psychology's limelight. Do you think psychology and the Christian faith are at odds with each other? Are they always destined to be butting heads or can they complement each other? And if so, how, how do they, how would they do that? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so I think that they, they are to an extent, depending, depending on <laughs> which psychologists we read and are speaking about and, and which Christian we're talking about, I, I guess we could say uh, that, yes, there is a sense in which they're at odds. And I guess in a nutshell, I'd say, no, they don't have to be, but they will always be like at odds means one thing, but to be in tension is a different thing in my mind. Uh, I'm generally convinced at this point in my career that we may not really arrive at a clear answer as to how our bodies and our minds, that is our material materiality and our spirituality, how those things resolve. Um, sometimes I'm, I'm inclined to think that it's sort of a consequence or artifact of the enlightenment to suppose that we could comprehend everything 
You know, like there, there, there aren't mysteries in the world. Yes, I believe that there are. And I think one of the most significant ones is how it is that we're simultaneously spiritual, psychological and material sure. creatures. Um, where I think, where I think the, and so I, I guess part, part of the, part of the answer is, uh, it has the it, it, there is the potential for Christianity to be enriched by psychology and ver vice versa, um, if the tension is permitted. Right? There's there's the possibility to inspire reflection and consideration, deeper deeper thinking, both about one's faith and about the nature of the natural order. You know. Um, I don't think. Uh, I guess. Are they at odds? Yeah, I guess I guess I'll put it this way. There are attempts, very well-meaning and earnest attempts, to integrate Christianity and psychology. Uh, and and I've I've read and been exposed to a number of those attempts. I can't escape though, somewhere in in, in my kind of heart. I feel like some of these attempts feel to me to be shallow. Sure. You know, uh, trite. It's almost like we can we can we can quote unquote integrate psychology by just putting Christianity and psychology next to one another and then singing a praise and worship song like that. Yeah, like that somehow makes it better. Yeah, way, and and I don't think it does sure. at all. And I think it I think it glosses over some of those some of those serious conflicts that we're talking about or that I've alluded to. Um, and so I, I think that I think that in order for these two things to to work together. One has to be very, very serious about both and, and actually feel in their own being how demanding this is on their person, uh, the relationship between body and soul. And to the extent that they feel that and are troubled by it, you know, in a, in a deep way, then I think that they have, they have in them the potential to actually offer greater insight into the nature of Christianity and psychology than anyone who just wants to put them side by side. This is Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. Dr. Barnes, as we wrap up here, uh, the last thing I want to ask you is, has there ever been a time in your career where that tension between, you know, like we just talked about having to hold Christianity up next to mm -hmm. your study of psychology, has there ever been a time in your career where it almost seems like holding those two things next to each other has been too much and you've been tempted to abandon one or the other? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what was that like? <laughs> I mean, I know that's yeah. That's that's hard to put into words. Sure. Uh, I mean, I I think it's uh, the experience is rending. It's tearing. It's um, you know, you feel like you're about to be undone sometimes. But I, I guess you know, I I guess it's it could be my temperament or my disposition. Uh, that seems to trivialize it, though. No, I I think it's I think it's really just like. If you're going to do it, if you're going to try to reconcile these things, if you're going to try to study this seriously and in a way that is that is honest to the Western tradition, broadly understood, and and uh, and true to science in its in its more contemporary manifestations, then uh, then there's no path but a kind of sacrifice and suffering. Um, this isn't going to be a a kind of yellow brick road to a unification. Um, I think I think a psychologist and Christian have to be all in. You know, you get you got to be you got to throw yourself into this stuff to have an insight. Um, 
And if you keep things at arm's length, like the reconciliation of psychology and Christianity, then there's no reconciliation that's going to happen, no integration. Um, instead, what it's going to look like is it's going to look, uh, it's going to look relatively cheap. And so uh, I, I, think, I think that here at Hillsdale and, 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 and the study of psychology here, uh, we've got to involve all of ourselves in it. And in as much as we can and do, then we could have some really remarkable insights and discoveries that, that bring about new understanding. This is Garrett Goolsby on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Today I'm talking with Dr. Colin Barnes. Dr. Barnes is a psychology professor at Hillsdale College. Thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Barnes. You bet. You bet.